Are you ready to get the support you need for your author career and life? Join international indie bestseller Angela J. Ford and fantasy author Stephanie Wabwa as they talk all things writing, publishing, and the real life of an indie author. Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. Living your best indie life starts here. Welcome to another episode of the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. We are back again and we have an awesome interview coming up with fantasy author JT Williams. It is fantastic. It's one you're going to want to listen to and also take notes because he drops so much wisdom during this interview. But before we head into that, Stephanie and I are going to chat about what we're up to. Stephanie, over to you. Yes. Okay, so what up, guys? Happy, this is going to be like happy Friday, I think, for y'all. But seriously, like, it's been awesome. We are in March. We are in March. Let that sink in. Um, The first quarter of the year is pretty much gone. (laughs) Um, But I'm excited. I have been banking in words for Seraphim Resistance Book 2. It has been taking its own turns. You know, what's the point of an outline, right? For all my plotters, we sit here and we plot for forever. And then you get to writing and the characters are like, (laughs) I have my own mind. Did you really think I would stick to this? Um, So (laughs) I have been, I will say, because I did get this question. So for my plotters who are wondering, okay, how do you keep it going? So a little pro tip here. What I do is I still, I don't extensively outline grants. I don't need to just because I'm in the same world and I already did all that work up front. However, if you find that your characters are deviating, let them. Let them go wherever, let them do whatever, let them say whatever, get it all out and iron that afterwards. So the beauty of your outline, you know, you don't have to toss it. Just keep your outline, let them veer off and then just leave it that way and just start in a new a new document. If you use Scrivener, you can just start in a new scene card. If you use Word, just put in a couple page, like put in a page break or a couple breaks, and then just jump back into the next spot in your outline and keep going. And then once you're done with the draft, you can go back, iron things out, fill in plot holes, iron whatever is necessary. I find that it's liberating because then you don't feel like you have to toss out your outline, but you also don't have to restrict your characters and force them to stay in whatever you have them going into so that's my main focus is seraphim resistance book two and just letting my characters be i am in draft one and all of the things are happening and i'm actually okay with that i have my outline and i do go back to the next point in my outline or if like i find myself writing rambling no idea where it's going i kind of just like stop and i'm like okay (laughs) back to the outline (laughs) you know you've had your little fun now let's get back over here but um so that's what i'm doing and then also the serial uh, mercenary in the Aryan empire still working on that i actually started i found myself stuck so another pro tip here i made myself a i'm creating a mood board for it so i have a specific board for that story in pinterest for all of you who love pinterest here you go here's your reason to go down the dark hole of pinterest <laughs> so i made a board um and then i'm pinning specific uh, visual inspiration for that board also quotes and things like that just inspiring stuff and I'm going to create a mood board that way I can kind of visualize the tone and also what is supposed to be taking place in this story so that it's much easier when I go to flesh it out on paper because I keep trying to flesh it out and it's not coming out so I, I realize I just need a bit more visual inspiration to see you know to just kickstart it we do not allow writer's block around here we figure out what to do we pivot we try something else we make it work 
work. I was stuck. And so I have gone to Pinterest and now the wells of inspiration are flowing again. So those are what I'm working on. Those are just some, you know, some free gems for you. Take them, use them as you will. And Angela, what about you? What do you have going on? Yeah, I love what you said about writer's block. That is not something that we stand for or sit for or write for. Over here, we are all about moving forward and getting that inspiration. And I am working on the middle of Faded. I need to fill that in so I can complete the book, which I'm really excited about. Has to be done by the end of March. So I have plenty of time to go through and do my self-edits, get it to an editor, blah, 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 all that fun stuff. And so I have been... I've been seeking out some inspiration too. Um, Pinterest is definitely something that I need to do. That's a really good call there. But I've been reading a lot of fantasy books for inspiration, which has been really fun. I, I think just the way that I learn things, like I, I just really like to learn creatively. So reading someone else's work and seeing what they do and getting different ideals, that really helps a lot. And then also video games. That's also something else that is inspiring. So I've been, um, <laughs> this is like such a nerd thing to do, but it's really fun. I've been streaming with my husband on Twitch on Thursday nights. We've been playing World of Warcraft together, which has been really fun. And that is something that it, it's also inspiring just because the, the characters, they have different traits. They have different magic. They have different weapons that they use. And so it's really fun kind of seeing um, their growth as they learn and level up, I guess, would be the correct term for that. But it's just really fun um, just seeing the different things that they learn, different weapons that they use. And as they progress, they get better weapons and better gear and they get more skills and their magic is stronger. And it's really cool. It's kind of inspiring. So uh, those are the ways that I'm staying inspired and writing. And that's about it. I think that's really cool, honestly. I mean, one, I love it because it's kind of like two birds with one stone, right? So you're getting inspiration, but you're also spending time with your spouse, which is incredibly important because family first, right? So yes. I think that's super cool. And just to be able to get that inspiration, because in my brain, I process it as like, oh, cool. You're basically like acting out your book on television. <laughs> you know like you're visually like making them do all these things which is like super cool I've not tried that yet I'm sure eventually in this life I will like find myself in that bandwagon as well as of right now I'm not I stick to reading in Pinterest <laughs> and a lot of movies I find that like I just think everything I do now is with intention like when I read I'm like oh I'm having fun but I'm also learning or like when I'm watching a movie it's never just like just to watch it like I'm trying to learn something here I'm trying to get inspired or whatever to the point where my friends are like okay yeah but you don't like if all like they're commenting on a book and I'm like oh yeah but I was trying to like see this and now they're like okay well you're a writer so that's all you do like you, <laughs> you pick out the stuff to like really learn from it which is true um and you get a lot of inspiration like I love how you you, you brought that back you know I think a lot of us sometimes if we get stuck it's because we're not reading enough Oh, plot twist. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, we're I not think that makes enough. sense. Yeah, we're not reading enough. We're not watching enough. And so I think that's really, that's really cool. It's smart. It's smart. You know, if you don't want to get lost in Pinterest for three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's really fun. And that's also something that um, JT Williams talks about. He's mm -hmm. a big gamer. And so we can hop into his interview and hear directly from him. Before we get started talking on today's topic, here's a word about our Indie Author Lifestyle Workshops. Workshops are designed for career authors who want in-depth training on certain topics to help you take your career to the next level. 
Join us each month to dig into writing, publishing, and book marketing strategies for only $27.99. Plus, get access to the exclusive community. Find out our topic of the month by going to IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash workshops. Now, back to our episode. Welcome to another episode of the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. Today, we have a very special guest, USA Today bestselling author, J.T. Williams. He writes both epic fantasy, inspired by the likes of Tolkien, Salvatore, and Brooks, along with darker sword and sorcery, fueled by countless hours playing Elder Scrolls, The Legend of Zelda, and many other fantasy RPG, MMORPGs. When he isn't writing, he wages war in his backyard with his children having make-believe battles against the orcs invading from next door. He is married and has five little orc slayers. As a longtime lover of fantasy and the surreal, he hopes you enjoy his contributions to the world of fantasy and magic. JT Williams, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you on. And why don't you start out by just telling us why you, just more about you and why you decided to become an indie author. Well, hi, thank you for having me on. Uh, that's kind of an easy question for me. I spent my entire time in school and I was supposed to be paying attention in math class writing. If it wasn't Zelda fan fiction, it was, I guess you'd call it portal fiction, portal fantasy fiction now. Even though I don't publish that, that's what I was writing back then, mixing up, you know, Link with Jedi and just kind of throwing everything together that I like. Uh, but along the path, before I was doing this full time, I was working as a paramedic, um, a lot of long hours, a lot of being gone and uh, trying to do something different. I still need to figure out a way to support my family, be home more, that kind of thing. And uh, indie publishing really allowed that to be a possibility. You know, I've got friends who have been writing that, you know, they wrote, they, they wrote a book or, you, you know, they've been writing the book for two or three years and they're going to start submitting it to the publishers. And it was actually another, uh, Rachel Aaron, another author, Rachel Aaron, she's traditionally and indie published now, but back then she had said on the NaNoWriMo forums that if she could do it all over again, she'd just do indie. She said she loved her publisher, loved everything about her, the process, but that she felt like there was a lot more that you could do as an indie author. So that kind of like pointed me towards looking into Amazon KDP uh, and years ago, uh, K-boards and those type of forum sites, just kind of getting a feel for it. And then it just kind of went from there. Yeah, that's really cool. So, I mean, you mentioned that, um, you know, you used to love writing all the time, but there's many things we can do, right? As far as like making an income from home or, you know, getting a job where you can telework. So how did you come about choosing, you know what, I'm going to write books for a living and how did you get that off the ground? It was what I did for fun, I guess is one way to put it. So like I played a lot of video games, but there were times in life where I, you know, I obviously couldn't play video games back, uh, you know, 2000, seven 2008 you know I was wor having to work a lot um had my first kid it wasn't a whole lot of time and it was going to be yeah I could still figure out a way to play video games but I tried out NaNoWriMo and I was like huh well that was fun I started eight days late I still I got to 49,500 words so my first NaNoWriMo was not successful um that book has never seen the light of day but it showed me what I could do 
fast forward to 2012 and I was suddenly home a little bit more than I was used to. Uh, my wife was in the police academy and I was home Monday through Friday uh, in the early morning. I had one kid in school and it came time for NaNoWriMo again. And I was like, huh, I'm normally not able to do this. I've got, you know, I, I like playing Assassin's Creed and I was like, but I don't want to waste, I don't want to waste time doing that. You know, I know it's fun, but there's nothing else to it. So maybe I'll look at writing again it for a more, in a, in a more professional way. And so at that same time, I was on the forums and then arrived That's when I came across the post talking about indie publishing and kind of how to do it now. And I was like, well, if nothing else, I can at least get a book in my hand. That would be fun. So went ahead, uh, downloaded Scrivener for the first time ever. Uh, did a very, I didn't plan out much. I literally did like the note cards with just a bunch of different ideas. I had a very loose story um, somewhere in, in my stuff. I actually have that original piece of paper I worked on where I did the basic main character is an assassin. He's going to go after a vampire and uh, he's somehow going to save the people. It's really unclear. And so I jumped into writing that during NaNoWriMo. What surprised me is not only that I finished NaNoWriMo, I was able to do it quite quickly. Uh, I believe I hit my 50,000 in 18 days, if I remember right now. And after that, I was like, oh, well, I can do that. that that's kind of cool. And then the more I started looking into the KDP process and Amazon and indie publishing, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I could do this. And I, I know I need to look for a, a really good cover that I can get and, you know, editing and whatnot, but this might be an option for me. Maybe eventually I can get out of working as a paramedic. I love the job. It's just, it's a very, uh, it's a very stressful job, especially when you're working the hours I was working. I was working way too many hours for it to be healthy and somewhere in the range of 72 to 84 hours a week. So um, I, I was kind of looking for a way out. I didn't want to go, uh, I guess the typical route, it's, it's the easiest transition is to go into nursing. That didn't really interest me at all. I'm kind of used to being in charge of my own fate, I guess is the way to put it. So kind of grew from that one basic book back in 2012 to now, I don't know, what am I at, 27, 28? I have several titles. They're all set in that same world now. So it's grown quite a bit. Yeah, that's really impressive. Like anytime I think of your books, I can just see like the covers, like think of like an elf with swords, just fighting a lot of action. That's really what I think of when I think of your books. And that's really cool that you've written so many over, wow, it feels like a short time period, but between 2012 and 2020, I guess that is a lot of years. It, but it, is, it is, but there's a real big difference there is, in 2012, I wrote the book, the very first one, but I didn't publish that till 2014. And then it was, I was very intermittently publishing. Like I was, it was before a lot of people knew the whole rapid release side of things where you try to put out a, a several books at once. Um, and it's also when I was figuring out that the rules of, oh, well, if you write epic fantasy, it has to be 120 plus or no one's going to read it. I found all that to be pretty much false. I mean, there there's some there's some people that are very stalwart. They're like, oh, I I'm not going to pick up a book that isn't at least 150 thousand. But I've i found that, that that's a lot of those gen genre convictions that you hear about that oh it has to be this or has to be that. No, it doesn't have to be. Those are just those those are uh, I guess those are rules that have just kind of kept 
in people's minds from the time of traditional publishing. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the benefits with going indie is that you really can sit back and make all your own rules and you can break the rules a little bit and readers will still love your stuff. Like, I feel like you have a pretty big fan club and people that just snatch up everything that you produce because they love your your work. And so it's really cool that you talk about how production sped up as you um, got more into the craft. And so will you talk a little bit about what, at what point you decided to go full-time and actually be a full-time author and what led up to that? Like what, what are the things that fell into place that made you able to take that leap? Okay. Um, so in 20, what was it? 2017. I had, in 2016, I'd asked my readers, I was like, I've got two ideas here. What do y'all want? And this was inside my Ascended Realm Facebook group. I was like, I can write this story on the origin of the assassin for my original book, or I can uh, give you backstory on a character from another book. And they all voted for the other book with the backstory for this particular character. He was a, uh, a captain of a vessel. He took, um, he started off the Half Elf Chronicles by taking the main characters to where they were going. Um, very small role, very, very small role, but I hinted a lot more. That seemed to intrigue them, intrigue the readers. And so I kind of jumped on that. I wrote very short stories compared to the other novels that were out at the time. These were uh, 20,000, 25,000, and 30,000. The only reason I know those numbers is I'm getting the audiobooks produced. I would not normally remember that. But anyway, so I did those and got covers done up. And not only did I write those books and probably about, or novellas, in about two months, I released them one after the other after the other. It was the first time I ever saw my sales climb above 2000 I got up to uh, $5,000 to $6,000 a month. And I was I kind of got a, a, a knack for advertising that particular set of books, and it, was, it seemed to be working pretty well. Well, then one thing led to another, and I was suddenly unemployed as a paramedic. Now, that's not really a problem because there's literally tons of jobs. But it kind of, it hit me in the psyche. It hit me in, in my own mindset. And instead of in 2017, me going, okay, these books are selling well. Yes, I'm unemployed, but I could take this as an opportunity. I took the easier path, which was jump to another job because it was guaranteed money. I knew that. And for me, I was like, oh, well, the book stuff is kind of a fluke. Well, long story short, coming into 2018, um, I'd read Chris Fox's, uh, his relaunch novel series. Sorry, Chris, if you're watching this or see this, I don't remember right now, but Chris Fox has a whole series of writing books. One particular one was uh, like a relaunching type um, book. I looked at my original trilogy and somewhere, oh, actually Goodreads, if we go on Goodreads, you can see the original covers. They were okay for back when the books were published, still weren't the greatest. Um, and I opted to have my uh, cover artist that has done some of my other books redo a cover. And I told him, Epic fantasy, but kind of like the Avengers on the cover. I want each of the characters there, the destroyed city around them. And I did a box set. I, I literally took the three books, put them in the one set. And it had already been bundled once, but that was at that time, I think two years ago. So I took that down. I did the box set. Um, I had a, I'm pretty decent with ads. I figured out a good marketing strategy that I was going to use for this box set. And uh, I pushed it. And within that first month, I saw sales get up to about 7,000. And then the following months, I was hitting 13, 15, and 17,000. And 
I was already so done with, I had another job by then, obviously, um, but I was so done with doing that type of work and being tired. I was like looking at this going, if I jump now, I know over the next two months are okay. It'll be a bit work to keep it going because the natural way Amazon works is a book that's doing really well can stay up there for quite a while, but it takes more money to keep it up there. And I knew I could write more in that time period. And that's probably the strangest thing is that people don't tell you when you uh, go from being part-time writer to full-time that uh, that time you get from being full-time, it doesn't magically become more productive. In fact, uh, I'd argue that you probably lose a little bit of productivity as you go full-time. That that comes in the habits and what you're already used to, and then suddenly you have all this time, and it's like, huh, the house needs to be clean right now. I think you know what I'm talking about. I it's so funny to me because like I, I I feel this journey so hard because I saw my box set fly, and you know you're making all this money. You're like, great, this is awesome. And then it's like that. time to write another book, and then it's like, oh well, actually, I I don't really have the time. But it's so interesting because I just feel like there, once you have more time and your restrictions are gone, it just seems like there's so many different pools on your time. And you like gaming and you have five kids and you have your wife. And so you have all these different pools on your time. How do you actually balance it? Because 2017, 2018, that was a few years ago now. And so you're still, you're still successful doing this. So how have you figured out how to balance um, the time and make it more productive again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a constant fight. It really is. Uh, I mean, a good example is this morning. I've been, so I've had multiple kids sick, so it's been really hard to get a consistent sleep schedule. So I woke up this morning, got everybody on the bus, and typically that's when I try to write. So right around eight o'clock, and I try to get a good two to three hours in of creative work. Um, otherwise, I'll go down rabbit holes of social media or uh, ads or something like that. That's what I try to do. Um, but we don't live in a perfect world. Uh, right now, I do have a deadline, which I kind of mentioned before we got going, that it's driving me forward. But I try to aim for that two or three hours. And in that time period, I, I write fairly quickly. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a one-draft author, but I don't do a lot of revisions. Uh I found that when I sit down and I write, if I, especially when I'm in the, the first draft, if I do a first draft and I'm stopping constantly and going back, it slows everything down. And honestly, I, I, from reviews of books where I've done that, thinking that was a smarter move, um, it's reflected in reviews that that's not the smartest move for me. For me, it's to get the story down. Uh, so the idea, like I said, is that two or three hours to knock out. Uh, Generally, that's going to get me four to five thousand words um, of, I would say, almost publishable words. I, I do go have my editing processes, but that's generally how I do it. And at one point, I was trying to do it every day, Monday, Monday through Sunday. What I found is that burns me out because I'm trying to do things on Saturday and Sunday when the kids are home, and that just doesn't work. So, ideal world, perfect setting. Kids all go to school, nobody's sick. Um, I tend to get my work done in the morning. I try to cut it off by about 12 noon, and that's when I try to knock out any uh, pending emails I need, uh, look at advertising if, I, if that's what I'm going to do that day. And I try to segment and kind of use that block scheduling that um, if, if you watch any type of productivity videos or whatnot, that's really what I try to do. I try to do blocks of time for certain tasks. Uh, I actually have a separate laptop 
for writing. This is actually what I use when I went around the world because it's small and can fit where it needs to to be hidden away. Um, that's helped a lot because I don't do any gaming on this. I really don't do any social media. I actually can't even get into Facebook on this. So I can get my stuff done with that particular laptop. It has Scrivener on it, it has all my notes, and it, it helps as a mental shift. Uh, the other thing I, I'm using more and more now is dictation. I have Dragon 15. I have a, a Blue Yeti mic. Works great. Um, but you'd be surprised. It still, it still comes down to setting down. That is normally the hardest thing is literally to go, okay, I'm going to write, and setting down. People ask, what's the secret to writing a book? It's setting down and doing it. There is no other secret. It does, and I don't, I'm not really a big plotter. I have a basic outline, normally a few bullet points of what I want to cover. Uh, but I've even, that's, my mind's even used that against me, going, oh, well, you're not sure where the story's going. You shouldn't, you shouldn't write it yet. You'll mess something up. Generally, what happens, though, is I sit down and start writing, and I get all these cool plot twists that all seem to work out because my characters know what they're doing. I don't. I just kind of record what they're doing, and we, they take me for a little bit of a ride, and we get in weird places, and people die. Also, a little bit of a tip careful what you kill. You may spend several uh, books trying to justify bringing them back in the future. Little tip. That is hilarious. <laughs> Only because I really appreciate when people like kill off characters and bring them back properly. Like nothing's more annoying than like if you're attached to a character and they die and then like they come back and you're like, wait a minute, why did you destroy my emotions killing off this character for no reason? <laughs> Um, but I do have a question. So you have a lot of books and what I'm wondering is do you work on multiple books at the same time. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> I've tried that. I really have. So I'm writing two series right now to answer your question. Um, my, my shadow of Chronicles books are my longer books and I have the Stormborn saga, which I'm still writing. It's those original books I told you about where I had the smaller one, two, and three. It's at 12 published. There was going to be just, or there was going to be only one more. I was supposed to be done with it in January, but these books range around thirty to 60,000 words each. Not a big deal, not a very big book. However, I got through the, almost through the entire first point of view character, and I was sitting at 45,000 words. And I'm like, okay, this book's going to end up being 100,000 words. And the way I, the way the plot has went, I've told the story. It's a book that shouldn't have happened, but it happened because back in books uh, nine and ten, there was a bit of time travel that screwed everything up in the storyline. I, I play on that. I say, listen, this is this; these other events wouldn't have happened if the time travel wouldn't happen. The story was supposed to end on book twelve with the plot events that you see, but because of this other scenario, uh, I, I give it the equivalent of Endgame with the Avengers Endgame, where they do the snap. Oh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Endgame. Do the snap, and suddenly Thanos from 2014 shows up. Kind of like that. Like, they did events that messed with the past in such a way it created a new enemy who's a threat to everybody. So, no, I right now I have two series going. Going on in the future, I will not do that. It is way too much mentally. Um, I thought that it helped me. So I could shift gears. So I could go from this more complex Shadow Elf book to a simpler Stormborn book. What I found it does is it just throws me off. Um, I get in ahead of these characters and what's going on, and I need to finish it. I need to get everything to a certain point. When I try to bounce between books, it doesn't help me at all. 
Gotcha. And do you have like a certain uh, publishing schedule? Like, okay, this year I need to have X amount of books out. So I'm going to focus on yay book for, you know, these particular timeframes and then you knock it out and continue on to the next one. That's yes. That's probably the easiest way. Um, I normally will. I try to do it in trilogy arts. So I try to write three books, essentially a book a month. Um, and I publish them as they're available, as they are uh, complete. And I've went through my editing process and whatnot. And if I look at that and I look at like the, after that third month, I'll kind of take a mental break and perhaps do a box set of another series to kind of give me something to publish, something to push that month while I relook at things. Now, last year we were, we were actually out of country coming into the new year and I kind of got started late, I would say with my, my plan. Um, I only published six new titles, um, which is very, very little for me. Um, this year, I'm doing something slightly different. Then I was looking at series and going, okay, I want to tell these stories. I'm going to write these. What I wasn't doing, which is more important, I think, from a uh, marketing standpoint, is looking at how good books were doing. So I'm not going to go and say, I'm going to do six books. If I write the first two or three and they're not selling what I want or at the level I want them selling, I'll keep them up, of course, but I'm not going to keep investing time in writing books four, five, and six. I would rather switch to a, a another idea because we always have those ideas that are constantly there and give myself a bit of freedom. And actually what I'm looking to do this year, aside from Shadow of Chronicles, which is pretty much a set series because it has a readership that comes from my other books, all my, all my stories, if, if you come in here, you, you can go down these little rabbit holes. They will all intertwine back to each other. All the characters kind of pop up in other places. There are characters that have shown up in the Stormborn books that showed up in the Half-Elf books that are now in the Shadow Elf books. And you want another history, you go back and read the other books. But, you know, a good example of something that I found missing in my world is I have lots of awesome female characters, but I don't have any series that set on a female character. And I have a really cool um, Shadow Elf that came about, and she has a very interesting origin story. And I want to write those books, but then I was like, I have this other character, a ranger. I want to write those books. So I looked at what I want to do. And I'm like, hmm, I want to write both. Let me just ask the readers because they know what they want. I don't know what they want as much as they know. And basically, it, I got a 50-50 response because that one character, the ranger, he's very well known. And they like him, but they also like this other idea. So for this year, aside from my Shadow of books, which are you know still going and finishing up that book that I said that I'm a little bit late on, I guess. Um, I'm going to write the first three books in both of these other series. Now, it's easier. Y'all know how fast some writers are. I'm not that fast, but I can knock out 4,000, 5,000 words a day. And for these books, I'll be aiming for a 40 to 60,000 word link. Um, talking to readers, my personal readers on my mailing list, they've said they like books that are 125,000 words plus, and they like books that are 40 to 60. So for this particular series, I'm gonna start off with the shorter books. And if one of the two series takes off, I'll put more time into that. But I always try to at least finish out storylines. I wouldn't, I would, I never write say one or two books and go, oh, well, it's it. You know, it's not selling what I want it to, so I'm just gonna write anymore. I, I don't do that. I finish out the storyline. That, that's good to know. And I think that's a really cool way of keeping readers engaged. And then also because you have 
the different characters that are throughout all of your series like that that's the coolest thing ever stephanie and i both love like digging into like one world and just having these characters and having it so vast and layered that is just fun for readers to to dig through it and i don't know if you did this on purpose but i feel like that's a great way to keep readers engaged because they'll read all the one series and then they'll want more backstory so they'll read the the other series and then they'll want more so they'll read the other one and then with the new stuff you have coming out i think it's just really endless um and the fact that you have so many books out I feel like for a new author who has like a few books out, they couldn't apply the same strategies just because when you're a new author, you haven't fully been able to test the waters yet and have that reach yet. But I mean, with you have almost 30 books and by the end of the year, you'll have more than 30. So I think that's a, a really smart way. Your strategies are different. And I think that's really good for our listeners to hear. Like, the more books you have out, the, the more your strategies will be different and you'll have to be smarter and think a little bit differently than you would if you were just now starting out and going, okay, I have a series that's not doing what I want. I can't like really switch and pivot because you, you well, have to build another audience. There's an interesting thing about that. So you, you said you're not sure how I started off, you know, or how if I planned out to have this these particular characters last so long. No. Um, if you want to learn something from me, careful who you kill. I'm, I'm not giving out spoilers, but careful who you kill. Because what I found out is some of my cooler characters I killed. And I'm not saying that I wrote an entire or entire series to bring back a character, but I might have. Um, so that's, that is what it is. Uh, as far as uh, newer authors and not so many books, I think it's really important for me to state that I wrote my first trilogy and it didn't sell at all. Like it sold a few books, I think in total that trilogy and the box set, um, maybe $800, maybe over two years. It didn't do much, um, but that's the beauty of a relaunch. That's the same, those same books, I re-edited them, put a new cover on it, and it did obviously really well. Um, but from those three books, I learned a lot. I learned... Uh, that's the best way to put it. I learned that you can take characters, you can take ideas, and you don't have to know where you're going. And again, this goes back to you read certain, you, certain prominent authors that say you have to have these plans. You have to have all this world building. And every fantasy author I talk to, oh, well, I'm doing world building. How long have you been doing that world building? Three or four years? Not that it's wrong, but I had no world building for my world. If you and you can tell it some in my original trilogy, you can tell that it's not as developed as it could be, and I can happily say that. Um, moving forward, I've got a lot more I do, but I still don't hammer out that you know the ingredients to the pie that's going to kill the king, for example. I'll figure it out as I'm writing it. Oh, it tastes kind of like berry with a little bit. Of, why is there a mushroom flavor in this? Oh, it's because the mushrooms are poisonous. That's why. It. If, you're, if you have a few books out and they're not selling, okay, write another. You're going to learn. The only way you can get better at this entire process is just to write more books. Um, and if you find yourself going over a book over and over and over going, oh, it's not any good, I'll be honest with you. I write a book. I edit it. I read over it and go, this is bad. I keep writing. I will, if I waited for my books to be perfect, if I write, waited for me to go, oh my gosh, this is an awesome book, I would never publish a book. Because, and when I, even when I can look at one of my most recent releases, I could go to it right now, 
and I could find stuff I could change. I could find stuff that, you know, this isn't the greatest. And if I did that, I wouldn't have the 20, 27, 28, 29 books I have. I would have a bunch of works in progresses, which as a new writer, I mean, if I, if I look back to my old stuff, I've still got stuff that uh, I haven't looked at in years that I like the story, but I just never, you know, it was, it was never ready. And, it, and, and now I'm not working on it, so it never will be. Maybe I'll dig them out at some point and publish them. But having this set world like I have, and by set, I don't mean I'm restricted, but I write in this world, and it would be kind of hard for me to bring in those other stories into this actual world. And that's not what my readers want. And that's what I try to, I really point myself towards is, what do my readers want to read about? I want to tell a story about this assassin, but the reader's like, well, no, we like this captain guy. He sounds pretty cool. Where'd he come from? I don't know. Let's find out together. No, that's really cool. And you know, I appreciate the fact that you really focus on your readership because oftentimes we can be like, oh, well, no, I, I like this. So this is what I'm going to write. And readers are like, that's cool, but uh, I'm not going to buy it and read it because that's not what I want to read. And so I think that's really wise, especially for our listeners to know, like, pay attention to what your audience is saying. Like, what do they want? And, you know, you may have a cool idea, but depending on what they decide, you know, go in that direction give yourself the liberty and the freedom to pivot and to try something different and to go that way. And so I think that's really cool that you touched upon that. And I do have a question for you marketing wise, because there's no way someone is like several years into their career, all of these books without a solid marketing plan. Right. And that's something that I know like in our community, there are, there are some who, you know, they don't foresee such success for themselves because they don't, you know, maybe they don't think it's possible or um, they don't, they don't know of authors who maybe have that kind of success. And so for someone like you who does, um, when it comes down to like actually saying, okay, this is good numbers, you know, we have enough to put food on the table, clothes on our backs, take a vacation, you know, have a day off, <laughs> right? So like what, how do you approach your marketing strategy and like what do you do to set yourself for success with your career? Okay, so when I was first starting out, the process was a bit different. So with my first few books, I was using Facebook marketing. At the time, I had no extra money for this. This was not where... I suddenly, you know, had five or six hundred dollars. I had credit cards I could max out. It's quite the opposite. Um, so what I started off was was very very simple. Um, Facebook ads, um, <clears throat> so we're like five five dollars a day, and I learned really quickly that five dollars a day goes really fast, and it can we can amount to nothing in sales. That's why you can't look at one book. You it's it's why it's good. I tell people write write multiple books write in a series that everything sticks together because the biggest issue i see even with some experienced authors is they're like oh well i'm running these ads and uh i'm spending ten dollars a day but the book's only making five I, i'm gonna shut the ad off why you what about book two book three well i'm losing money okay but you're gonna make the money down the rest of the series and that's what helped me starting out is i had a series and so if you look at some of my early stuff in like 2015 to 2016, I did a lot that I looked at what everyone was saying on Facebook not to do. And I kind of just did it anyway. Uh, back then it was, oh, you, you don't want to use a, 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 your book cover image. You want to use some, fan, some fantasy art or something from one of the stock sites. I tried that. I didn't like it. 
Instead, what I looked at is, what are my books like? What, what, what did I like? What inspired me to write these particular books? And with this particular series I'm mentioning, it was Hackville Chronicles, and it was Ari Salvador. And a lot of my reviews kept reflecting that it was similar. And so that's how I did my marketing back then, is I took my book cover, which, by the way, was not the nice book cover I have now. It was my, uh, I think I bought five of them for $100. That gives you an idea of what kind of cover we had on these books. I marketed it clearly. I pointed out what it was. And I was spending something around 5 to $10 a day. And I was seeing sales, nothing crazy. Um, but then as book two and book three were selling, it got to a point to where my monthly Facebook cost was about $750 to $800. And my royalties for that month would be $1,000. That's not a lot of money because I'm losing a lot of money on ads, but I was getting a little bit of money, just a little bit that I could use to reinvest in, in this case, better covers. You know, and it grew from that. I, it got to the point where I had more and more books and I linked them all together to where as people are reading these books, they jump back and are like, oh, well, you have more stories and set in this world? Cool, I'm gonna go pick up that one. And it pretty much stayed at that 14, or somewhere between 12 and $1,400, and my ad spend was around 800. Um, that wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough to kind of get me going. But then I knew I needed more material. So I had to keep working, obviously. And that kind of led us to 2017, and when I did the first three Stormborn novellas, and I finally saw that, A, if I write more titles, and I release them to an audience at once, I mean, I keep marketing, can, I can keep growing this. Fast forward to now, it's a, quite a bit different. I, it's, I mean, experienced authors know that the market constantly changes. It bounces between what works with Facebook, what works with Amazon, what works with what genre. Back in uh, fall of 2018, I was looking to promote one of my new series, and, my and this is my fault. This is, the, again, learning process. I based my entire marketing campaign on Amazon. So I went through, and I don't do four or five hundred word keyword lists because for me that hasn't worked that well. I look at targeted, hyper what I call hyper targeted keywords. I look for the top selling books, top selling hot new releases, and I target those. It's a great idea, unless everything is reverse harm, and your book's not reverse harm. My book's definitely not reverse harm. When I went to the fantasy bestseller list, and that's all I was finding, or it was uh, an RPG, which not the same thing by any means, but it wasn't the right readers. And so it kind of put me in a weird spot. I had all these plans for Amazon. And so I had to kind of pivot where I wasn't really advertising on Facebook that heavily. And I'm not going to say the entire launch was a fail, but it did not do as I wanted it to. Thankfully, I have other, I had another thing. I had another series I could promote, another box that I could form up kind of on, on a fly. And now it's a... When you're, when you're at this point in a career, you're looking at both daily and you're looking at monthly income. I know what my budget is right now for the rest of this month. I know what my target is. Also, I know what my minimum is in the sense of what do I need to make this month so that when I get my royalties in two months, uh, I want enough to cover the bills. And that's why you see some authors living in uh, you know, Thailand, Bali, places like that. It's a lot less expensive to live there versus, say, in you know just south of Houston, Texas. My seventeen hundred dollars I need for rent here can go a lot further than other places, and that's kind of the freedom that you end up with in your career. Is that you have that freedom now? If you have kids, there's more you have to think about as far as school and whatnot. That's something that we're looking at going forward. 
you know, we actually went to a smaller house, not because um, we uh, moved to somewhere more expensive or something like that. We were trying to we're trying to get our numbers down to where we can put more money into our, our indie author business, me and my wife, and move forward from there. If we want to jump and go live in Bali for three months, we do so. It's, it's all about developing those processes. And you ask, you know, what kind of marketing plans? For me, I found it's a mix of releasing consistently in a series that readers are wanting to read, so you've got to be buying stuff and keeping a consistent trickle of ads on your number one selling books and keeping people going towards them because your readers might have read them, but there are thousands upon thousands of readers that haven't. Keep going, keep promoting. Do I promote my new releases with ads? Not really. I promote the book one because in my series, you really can't jump into book eight. You have to start with book one. And then if I find something's not working on Facebook where everyone's going, oh, you can't do this, you can't do this, I go do it and see if it works. Because if everyone's saying they won't do this, then a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, I shouldn't do it either. Well, then I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to see what I can do with it. Because evidently, less people are going to be advertised in that sphere. You know, it's I don't jump on all the new things. like. I don't think I've done book web ads. Actually, I know I haven't done book web ads. Probably should. It's just I know Facebook and I know Amazon. And that's what I also tell newer authors is find out what you like. You don't have to learn everything. You don't need to know everything about Pinterest and YouTube and all, all these different areas. Um, I don't. I, I, I don't care to learn it. Um, I'll probably invest some time in book web because I feel like it's a good place. It's where readers already are, kind of like Amazon. But I think there's a lot you can do with Facebook. And for now, I'm really just concentrate on Facebook and Amazon and just keeping those consistent the books that consistently sell. I keep readers going towards them. It's in marketing terms, it's the funnel. I've got a really wide funnel at the top and everything comes down. And what I'm working on moving into the future is I'm trying to get more, uh, what's the term? Like an evergreen marketing campaign based on email leads so that I can keep advertising my backlist books to new email leads. And I've had some success with email leads. Um, but again, you got to remember that it's a long game you're playing. A lead that you get for 50 cents may seem like a lot, but if you look at the value of that one reader, if they go through all of your series and it comes out to $28, you're, in, you're, you're doing well. But it's, it's, it's how do you get to that point from spending $750 a month and only getting $1,000 or $1,100 to get to the point where you're thinking about this further stuff. It's staying consistent, delivering to your readers, and just keep writing. Like, I can't stop writing. Both mentally, I just can't stop writing. And also, I can't just not release books. I've told my readers expect me to give them something new every month or so. So I need to give them something new every month or so. There's authors that only do two books a year. That's fine. That's great. And you can tell their readers, you know, you see the comments that readers make on their ads, on their social media. And it's like, oh, we can't wait for it. I know it will be a few more months. For me, I can release a book and then I'll get an email about 20 hours later. So when's the next one coming? And that's it's kind of my own fault because I've trained them that way, for lack of a better word. Like they know I'm going to be bringing another book out fairly quickly. So I guess it's kind of like when you watch something on Netflix. And you know that you're supposed to get another one and it's not there yet. And you start constantly refreshing and going, wait, it's supposed to be here today. It was supposed to be here today. Yeah, I, t I totally get that. I always hate it when I spend, well, both hate and love it when I spend so much time working on a book and then like I release it and I'm really excited and people go, okay, where's the next one? And I'm like, 
pipe down. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was a lot. Um, that was so much, so much good stuff that you just shared with us just now. And that's, that's awesome. And I think it's really important just to highlight the consistency and just persevering and keep, just keep going, even though sometimes it feels like a lot of, of money to be pouring into a book, but it's well worth it. Um, it took me, I think, four years to completely break even on my series. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't doing anything at the speed that you're doing it, but <laughs> it, it, it takes time. And it's that, that kind of perseverance that, that really comes through. And I know we're, we're about to run out of time, but I really want to ask one last question about pricing. And then Stephanie, if you have anything else, um, what, what kind of pricing has worked for you? I know 99 cents is really popular. Um, is that something that, yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. So yes, 99 cents is very popular, uh, especially with box sets. And I honestly blame myself and some of us other ones that uh, were really pushing that back in 2018. Because again, people see something's working, they all jump on it. Now you go onto Amazon, tons of box sets for 99 cents. And what I've been trying to also tell some other authors is, listen, this is going to run out. Readers are going to, you know, Writers can only write so fast, and they box their books up, and then they've got to write new books, and they can't do a box set until they've got more books out. And I thankfully have several standalone books. So I've been able to box up a lot of stuff. I think 99 cents is a good way to get readers in. What I found is conversion's not that great. So people coming in to buy that one box set at 99 cents, it looks it, it helps you out in the short term. But it seems like that unless you – especially because it's a, a contained story in most cases – you don't, the conversion's not that great. Like there are thousands of people that bought my one box set and they told me they like it and all this, but they don't necessarily go to the other stuff. But then when I price that same box set or other box sets at a full price of, you know, say $3.99, $4.99, or even $9.99, I've had a, my conversion's better. Even like, so I've, that one series that made so much was one example, but I have another series which has, uh, I think, think about this, three, three different box sets in it. When I price box set one at 99 cents, the people that go into box set two remain the same as if I priced it at the full price. I make more money if I price it at full price, drive readers to that going on. So the whole idea of a 99 cents is to get visibility. If you can get high enough in the Amazon store where you get a bestseller tag and you perhaps can, guess the term would be tickle the algorithms, promote your book and send it to their readers, great. Um, what I've seen the past few months talking to authors that are doing these 99 cent box sets is that it doesn't seem to have the same weight as a full price book as much. Now, if you go in deeper, there's several authors in the industry have talked about this, but the popularity list, which are based more on price. If you're a new author and you need to get exposure and you're trying to get people to learn about you, 99 cents is a good spot to go. Just realize that you are leaving a lot of money on the table. If you're kind of more of the mid range, maybe almost full time, but you've got several books out, you got to start running your numbers, and I don't like math at all. I think I said that at the very beginning. I'm not a math fan, but you need to know what percentage of readers are going from book one to book two to book three. Not the greatest, but my percentage from book one in one of my series is around 60% to book two. I'd like that to be higher. I like it to be closer to 70 to 80%. But from book two to book three, it's like 95%. And it keeps going. And I have a drop off of book three because I kill 20 characters of 23. But they come back in book four and book five, four through six is good. And I, in my other series where I don't kill off as many people, um, I have a little bit more love. That, you know, people pretty much stick to it. 
So, uh, personally, I've been launching at full price. I think it works. I think it, if you're upfront with your readers and tell them, hey, I'm going to do a 99 cent day in a week, uh, tell them ahead of time, a lot of them will still buy your full price book. But then you'll get a lot more for that, you know, one day 99 cent push. I think of, unless you've got a fairly large budget right now, that it's really hard to get a book on into best-selling charts and keep it there just by will alone. I feel like if we go a little bit deeper newsletter swaps, it's hit or miss. It really depends. And if you go in and you're taking everyone that will share your book, remember that when a book is brand new in Amazon, Amazon's really paying attention to where the traffic's coming from and if these people are buying your book. So it may be great that uh, – Joe that writes urban fantasy wants to share your book, but if you write epic fantasy and urban fantasy is sharing your stuff, you're messing up the also bonds. And what that does long term is it teaches or Amazon goes, well, I'm not sure how this book is really selling. It's getting some sales, but we're kind of confused. So we're just going to say no, suppress it down because it's not they want to make money in the end. And I think that's where the popularity lists are starting to take over. And I'm not real scientific with this stuff, obviously, but I think that the full price books, it a, makes Amazon more money. And uh, it tells them essentially that people are willing to spend money for this. And so when they go to send out an email to recommend books, you don't really see 99 cent books in there. You see the full price books. It's very rare that you see a discounted book in there. And so it's, again, it's kind of what we've, we've joked about today is that everything is always changing. And that's really the easiest way to put it is it's a constant change. You've got to keep moving, keep trying stuff new. Um, and don't jump on every shiny toy that someone offers to try to sell you because there's a lot of that out there where they're like, oh, well, I can make you a bestseller. You just got to do this, this, and this. There's a whole industry out there meant to take your money promising you stuff, and we don't like that. Such sage advice, um, <laughs> truly, because, like, all I can say is word. <laughs> like, 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 drop the mic word missed it rewind re-listen to it again like that was just really really good and so as we're getting ready to wrap up here we are you know our listeners are enthusiasts they're at the beginning of their careers and some of them may not have the confidence to know that they can do this full-time and do this well so what would you say to them like what are some words of advice that you would leave them from your own experiences in your journey first off write the book don't worry about if it'll sell Write the book. And even if you have to write a whole book just to get it out of your system going, I want to write this, write it. Get it done. You can't edit a blank page. It's the most basic of the processes. You've got to get the book down. As far as, oh, I don't think I can do this. I'm telling you as someone that doesn't like a lot of my own stuff, I go back and reread myself. I'm like, oh, I could change all of this. You'll, you'll That never goes away. It doesn't matter if you sell 10 copies, 100 copies, 1,000 or 10,000. It doesn't matter. It, you will always want to change something you've got to get the book down, get it into readers' hands. If you see something consistently coming back that they're going, oh, I don't like your characters. I don't like your descriptions. I don't like it. Work on that. But then also remember that take all that as a grain of salt. If you've got readers that like what you're doing, keep doing that. They're the people who are paying you. If you, you a bunch of authors go, well, I don't, like, I don't like this. Well, look at it. Identify it. If you're not selling books, maybe take it to heart. I think that's one of the hardest things. You know, someone spends some money on a cover and people are like, well, no, this doesn't match the genre. And they're like, well, I like it. You might want to look at that. You, there, there's a lot of advice out there on that. But if you're going back to the basics of writing, write the book, get it down, keep writing. 
that that is the single the only thing that any of us authors can control is how many books we write in our own writing keep learning you're never a master this is a field where no one becomes a master you just have to keep writing you've got to keep that in mind as you go forward that's probably the best advice i can give yeah and absolutely fantastic so true and thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, this has been fantastic and just a lot of wealth and wisdom. And we'll include just the things that we talked about also links over to your site and your books and the show Perfect. notes. And yeah, this is fantastic. I'm really excited for our listeners to hear it. Thank you for having me on here. It's been a lot of fun. The journey to becoming a full-time author on your own terms doesn't have to be lonely or hard. We have an awesome community where we chat daily, write together, and motivate each other. To be part of this vibrant community of indie authors living their best bookish life on their own terms, go to IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash inner circle for more information. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love to hear more from you. Leaving a rating or a review helps us to create more great content like this. Be sure to rate this episode and subscribe to the show. Thanks for listening to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. See you inside the community.